Hello, America. I'm Robert Reese, and welcome to CEO Show. We're here today with Lynn Tilton. How are you, Lynn? I'm well. Thank you for having me. And as you know, I've interviewed Lynn a number of times, but not for a number of years. Lynn has done something no one else has done before. She is known as the turnaround queen and has saved over 700,000 jobs in America alone. So let's just talk about this concept of Patriarch Partners, because it's a different company than any, and explain what it is and why you founded it in the year 2000. Well, Patriarch was originally started with a patented financial model that I had to allow banks to take bad loan portfolios off their balance sheets. So I had been very involved in the distressed debt community and realized that banks were choking on their bad loan portfolios. And so I tried to create something that would allow them to take all their loans off their balance sheet and get more money than they would otherwise get by holding them or trading them. And that's how we began. And I began by I did a billion and a half dollar deal with Fleet Bank Boston and then close to another billion dollars for Canadian Imperial Bank. And I ended up with about 170 credits in those portfolios that we then needed to turn around and create value. And what I realized was the only way to truly influence was to really take control. And that's how I made the transcendence from being a poet to a financial engineer to really an industrialist operator. Because once you take control of those companies, you need to turn them around to create value for those who have loaned to you or invested in you. And that's how it all began. And so once we had these companies and these portfolios, it really became a loan-to-own strategy. We had to loan, to own, to take control, to rebuild these companies, keep people working, create value, and keep companies, especially manufacturing companies, that would have otherwise been liquidated, alive, and prosperous. And you've actually owned 243 companies, which is probably a record. Name just some of the main brands that you've owned. Well, these companies have been, you know, owned by the funds that I've owned. There have been outside investors and lenders in those funds, but I ultimately owned all these funds. Um, Patriarch managed them because they were owned by me personally. Some of the names, Rand McNally, almost a 200-year-old map company that became a navigation company. MD Helicopters, that was the house that Howard Hughes built that became McDonnell Douglas and Boeing before... Uh, ultimately, we bought it from a Dutch entrepreneur. Steela Cosmetics. We had Hussey Copper, which was a 150-year-old copper mill. And then, of course, Dura Automotive, Global Automotive Systems, a number of brand name companies, Universal Instruments. We liked American La France, which didn't work out, but was a 175-year-old fire rescue company. So we were really devoted to saving iconic brands. Give an example of a company where you went in, what was going to happen, and the end result after you left. Well, if you look at MD Helicopters at the time that we stepped in, it, most of our companies came from calls from banks 
that would otherwise have liquidated the companies through foreclosures. This was a, a bank, it was Wachovia that became Wells Fargo that called me and said, you know, I know you love iconic brands, we're about to liquidate, you know, do you have an interest? And we came in, uh, there were 365 aircraft on the ground with no parts, there was no supply chain, no manufacturing going on. And eventually, before I stepped down from that company, we were, had won over 30 U.S. military contracts, you know, military contracts in the Middle East, you know, in Afghanistan, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, all over the world. And it became a major defense company in the industrial complex from something that would have otherwise been left for dead. So let's talk about this concept of left for dead. There are a lot of companies where their companies are right now being close to left for dead. You are obviously the one person who understands the key of turning around an organization or M&A. What is the secret to a great turnaround? It's actually inspiring people to stand shoulder to shoulder and move in the same direction. It's all about talent. Now, you also need products and innovation and ideas. But truthfully, where I have the most loyal, motivated management teams, they result in the best turnarounds. So I always say that my job is to create propensity or growth, and that's people times plan times process times pace. I need to have the right people in the right places, number one. I need a plan. And that's not, we'll do $100 million and $20 million of EBITDA. That's when I close my eyes and I look at the company. What are my products? Who are my customers? What geographic regions do I want to address? What's the short-term innovation, the long-term innovation? It's that dream. And then the process is what I call the invisible web of energy that leads everyone in an organization towards that plan. It's the processes you put in place so everyone knows what they need to do each day to be part of that dreaming the dream. And paces, in my world, if you're not working with a sense of urgency and around the clock, you're going to fall because things are so bad that you have to create that force of nature that helps you rise from the ashes. So let, let's talk about the concept of reputation. So you have been attacked by every person possible. I've even written 350 articles for Forbes, and I saw them attacking you. Everyone is. What is your take on the concept of reputation? Look, in the end, one has to live true to themselves. I chose to be a woman in a man's world. I chose the way I look, the way I dress. Um, so I brought some of that onto myself. But I think people, for the most part, had trouble really believing that one woman with a team of great people could actually do as much as we did. And for the first eight years, I didn't even have a website. And I just quietly built uh, this business. But when the financial crisis came and we were saving the big banks and big companies and we were throwing money into fiscal and monetary policy, 
but we were putting no money towards small and mid-sized companies that employ 80% of the workforce, I felt that I needed to speak out based on my experience. And so I built a website and I started to write articles. And then, of course, people discover you who you are and everybody is excited and wants to write great articles about you. And then once you reach a certain level, everybody starts to attack that. But I didn't pay attention. I didn't read the good stuff and I didn't read the bad stuff because for me, this was about proving making money and making the world a better place weren't mutually exclusive options. I was driven to give people the dignity of work, to take the taint off of blue collar work or being blue. And I was driven by mission. Now, I also needed to pay people back and I needed to make money but not without taking people along on that journey with me. And so I've lived my life so that I can be honest and scream the truth from the treetops. And frankly, as someone who's been sued as much as I have, the truth always comes forth. And so I'm grateful for the way I've lived my life, but I can't worry about what people say about me. Not that it doesn't hurt. I mean, it, it, it hurts, but I live true to my journey, my mission, and I took a lot of people on that journey with me. And if you want to know the truth about me, then talk to the people in mills and on manufacturing floors where I spent much of my career. And there's inspiration. We're about to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to hear about time management from someone who has been personally running at the same time CEO of several companies. Back in a few. Hi, this is Robert Reese back on The CEO Show, and we're with Lynn Tilton, who is the CEO and founder of Patriarch Partners. And this is a company that has saved over 700,000 jobs in America and has owned over or been the, an owner of 243 companies. You have personally been the CEO of numerous major companies at the same time. So what I want to understand, and all these CEOs do, how do you manage your time? How do you prioritize? What's the secret to, um, to Lynn Tilton's secret sauce? Well, I think, you know, first of all, I worked more hours than most people, probably not healthy, but I always worked 18 to 20 hours a day, seven days a week. But my time management is sticking five fingers where the blood's flowing, going to the crisis, to what will drown or kill a company. Then I will drive the future with the palm of this hand, which is the innovation, the things, the, the customer meetings, you know, traveling to see people that will drive the future. And then everything else is just on a list and you get to it when you can get to it. But that's how I've lived my life through this career. Do you run from one company to another? How, how do you do it? really? When I was running these companies and had so many at the same time, I would be traveling on a plane almost every night that I would spend my day working with management teams and walk the floors and be with people. And then I'd get on the plane at night and I'd fly to the next company. So I spent almost five, at least five days a week on a plane going somewhere because I know that nothing's in person anymore and people want to work from home. But people are energy, and the way to create that force of nature through energy 
is by being together. And when I was running companies day to day, I felt like I needed to be on the ground with people. As a transformative CEO, I want to know what was the transformative moment in your life where all of a sudden the light went on and you're like, I know what I want to do. I know what I'm going to do. And someone like you, Lynn, who, who drives forward with your personal integrity, you're going to do it. What type of incident happened that that was that transformative moment? You know, I had stepped back from Wall Street. I thought I was finished um, in the late 90s. Uh, I had worked 100-hour work weeks for a long time doing what I didn't really love. And then I realized that if I did it on my own, that I could do things a bit different. And I was raised in a family where public service comes first, that we're valued by what we do for others and not what we do for ourselves. And when I started Patriarch and I came back, I was really driven by giving people the dignity of work, by saving companies so I could save jobs. And that's because I lost my father while I was at Yale. And I saw the fear and destruction that befalls a family when you lose that working parent and how afraid you are. And I realized that every time I could save a working parent from having to go home and say, not today, not today do I lose my job, that that would be me giving back to the world in a different way. And so I became almost maniacal in my mission to save companies and to keep people working. And that was because I knew what it was like to lose a working parent. And that's why my company is named Patriarch Partners. It's in the name of the father and in the values he instilled in me to sort of value myself by the value I give to others. Tell me about one conversation you had with your father. My father, my father drove me hard. I'll tell you a story. When I was about eight years old and wanted to be a gymnast, my father bet me that I couldn't stand with my arms like this for 30 minutes for a quarter. Or my father would throw me into the ocean and bet me a quarter that I couldn't swim three miles. So my father, who was a genius and a world-class athlete, always felt his kids were a little bit lacking. But my mother says that behind my back, he was extremely proud of me. And I'd like to think and hope that he's extremely proud of the journey I've taken in giving people the dignity of work and supporting manufacturing in this country at a time when everyone else was willing to become a financial market economy and to basically dismiss the need for manufacturing in the industrial base as the foundation of every great economy. Let's end up really with your vision for America. Of, uh, you're obviously passionate about bringing manufacturing back to America. What is your real vision that you hope could happen? I, I think that we need to bring dignity back to being the maker of things. I think that we need to start trade schools in this country again and have them be free, just like I think community college should be free. But we, we can't tell people that building things or being a mechanic is not dignified work. Not everyone has to work on Wall Street or be in a service job to somehow be closer to godliness. 
And I think if we switch the mentality back to the fact that blue collar work was the foundation of the American dream, it's how people were able to send their kids to college, to have homes that they've paid for and two cars in the driveway. And we need to get back to that. And we're, we're lacking skilled labor in this country. That's why people are saying they can't hire for a new Intel factory. It's because we took the value away and the dignity away from blue collar work. And I think that we need to be an industrial economy, a value added economy with service, but not as the only thing we do. And I think we're seeing the beginning of it. In 2008, I went to Washington with an infrastructure plan where we would rebuild the infrastructure, but all the products needed to be made in America. So steel would be American steel, cement would be American cement, and all the workers needed to be American. And people laughed at me as you know, a protectionist policy that would create trade wars. Well, look where we are right now, except that we have a superpower that has been ingenious in their development as we gave them all our intellectual property and manufacturing so that we could value the cheapest good above the dignity of people. And there you have it. What is the website if anyone wants to go to Patriarch Partners? Uh, www.patriarchpartners.com. I should have guessed that. Well, Lynn, what a pleasure it is speaking with you, and I wish you tremendous success in your continued efforts in saving jobs. 